Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 224. Today's topic is Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, Part 25. The Climate Report is a daily radio show and podcast that asks the question, WTF? Who is running the world, and why do they want to ruin it for the rest of us? Who is controlling the world, and what gives them the power or the right to destroy our planet? And this is not hyperbole. This is not over the top. The powers that be are destroying our planet and they are choosing to ignore science. They're choosing to make the media ignore science. They're choosing to make our educational system and our government ignore science. The science is clear. If we don't uh, seriously change business as usual, then there will then we will end life as we know it, and not in the distant future. We have ten years not to start. On the right path, we have 10 years to provide for a serious reduction in carbon. And, you know, that's only to avoid the worst case scenario. We're already headed toward a scenario that is not what we want. We're already experiencing extremely negative impacts of climate change. And we need to change the power structures that are causing us to move toward a future that nobody wants. The Climate Report is a thorough examination of how to solve the problem of climate change. It is also your definitive source for information and analysis related to the Green New Deal. And on the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught about American politics, American history, American economics, American culture, the American dream, American exceptionalism. We question everything we've ever been taught because so much of what we've been taught is a system-justifying narrative, and the system is no longer justifiable if it ever was the system that we have is a system that is designed by and for the very few and if you believe differently we need to talk of course that's what we're doing now so thanks for listening and uh, let's get on with it the views expressed on this show are those of the speaker and no one else if you have any questions comments or feedback please email info at theclimatereport.net. So let's go to Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. We are on uh, episode number 25, at least the 25th episode in which we are dealing with Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal. And the section we're on is number 28 in my handy-dandy numbered version of Bernie's Green New Deal, and it's the section on economic development. So let's talk just a minute about what economic development means and why in the world would we ever trust the government to do economic development. There are elements in our society. Remember said we're going to question everything we've ever learned about American history, American politics, American economics. One of the things that we need to question is everything we've ever been taught about a free market economy. For one thing, there is no such thing as a free market economy. There is 
there is such thing as a market economy, but a market economy that works is going to work because you have a government that is bold enough to stand up to business in, for, in the form of antitrust laws, in the form of environmental laws, in the form of labor regulations. These are the things that make for com- a competitive business environment. What we have now is not a competitive business environment. What we have now is a game of monopoly where the big fish can always swallow the little fish. The big corporations can always outcompete the little uh, businesses. The big corporations with the deep pockets can always uh, rig the system in their favor by buying government. The big corporations like Walmart and Starbucks and Home Depot and McDonald's can always use their size to operate at a loss until such time as they drive the competition out of business, which, of course, is bad for the local economy. But that's what they get to do because we do not live in a free enterprise system. We live in a monopoly enterprise system. So the monopolies, the big monopolies, get to buy our elected leaders because we have the best politicians money can buy, and they can rig the system in their favor, and not least of all, they can operate at a loss until such time as they drive the competition out of business. So that is a monopoly enterprise system that is not a free enterprise system. That is not a free market economy because a free market economy does not exist. We could have a competitive market economy which would level the playing field as between uh, small and medium-sized businesses, but that's not what we have far from it. So in Section 28 of Bernie's Green New Deal. We're talking about economic development. So we have the nerve to assert that maybe, just maybe, the government can provide for economic development. And in fact, it can. If people believe otherwise, that is because their minds have been polluted by an educational system and a media environment that does not, repeat, not exist to tell you the truth. It only exists to send out, to deluge, send you out a, you know, a deluge of misleading information, misleading messages, misleading stories, misleading narratives, all designed to support a corrupt and bankrupt system that serves the needs and interests of a very few, very rich, very privileged people. So it says here, we're going to provide targeted regional economic development. So we have the nerve to say that government, yes, government, can be a valuable player in providing for economic development. For one thing, okay, so we've been taught that only uh, you have to you have to deregulate. You have to get government out of the way. That government is bad for business. No, it's not. Uh, government can be good. Government can be good for not not just business. Government can be good for jobs. I mean, 
we don't want to be good for business just for the sake of being good for business. Because if you do something that's good for business, then those profits and that wealth can flow into the hands of a very few very rich people who then end up buying our government. And that's not what we want. Don't we want an economy that is of, by, and for the people? Don't we want government programs to be of, by, and for the people? Or do we just want government programs to be of, by, and for a very few, very rich, very privileged people? Of course, we want government to be for the benefit of the people. But um, So let's, let's continue to read. But, but that's what economic development is about. We are making the very bold assertion that the government is capable of targeted regional economic development. So it says here we will provide for targeted regional economic development. It says that communities, especially in need of assistance during our transition to a clean energy economy, will be eligible for additional funding for economic development investments through regional commissions and authorities. Our federal regional commissions make targeted economic development investments in rural America. These commissions have funded projects that enhance workforce competitiveness, build and repair infrastructure, and increase community capacity like broadband projects, clean drinking water, organic farming, and energy efficiency. Wow, those last few things. So these are the things that need to be uh, put in place by and for the people. Broadband projects, clean drinking water. Flint, Michigan doesn't have clean drinking water. Increasing numbers of communities don't have clean drinking water. Who's that good for? Well, it's good for the companies that sell bottled water, for one thing. Companies like Nestle and Coke that, and Pepsi that sell bottled water do not want us to believe that we can have clean drinking water in our locality. But, it, but we need clean drinking water. So these infrastructure projects, are they're not good for the bank accounts of big corporations, but they're good for our health. And we need to measure our wealth and well-being in, partly in terms of health, because that's social capital. Financial capital is not the only thing that matters. Environmental capital matters, environmental and natural capital matters, and also social capital. So it also says here we're going to invest in organic farming and energy efficiency. So let's look at these seven different things that we'll invest in. Uh, $2.53 billion for the Appalachian Regional Commission. Five point, uh, over, well, let's see, $500 million for Delta Regional Authority. $300 million for the Denali Commission. $400 million for the Northern Border Regional Commission, $100 million for the Southeast Crescent Regional Commission, and $202 billion, $2.02 billion for Economic Development Assistance Programs. So I don't know very much about these things, but, uh, you know, if you have enough people working on this stuff, and if you have a government of, by, and for the people, then you can create projects like this that aren't perfect, but they're much better than what we have now, which is, you know, throw the people to the wolves. 
If you live in a community that has dirty drinking water, that's just tough. You should have worked harder in school. Well, that's not the kind of society we want, but it's, a, it's the kind of society that we have now. Bernie is promising to bring about a different kind of society. We're not talking about programs that are perfect, but we are talking about programs that are fundamentally good and can do good things. If it doesn't work every single time, it's still worth trying instead of not trying at all because you have a blind faith in a so-called free market system which doesn't exist. That's why I call it a free market fraud. So it also talks here about infrastructure investments for Im impacted communities. It says we will provide $130 billion for counties impacted by climate change with funding for water, broadband, and electric grid infrastructure investments. So it's talking about funding not only being allocated at the regional level, but also on a county-by-county county basis for counties that are unduly impacted by climate change. Now, what we're going to get into next is a just transition for frontline communities. So what are frontline communities? Well, when I think of frontline communities, I think of communities that have been unduly impacted by pollution. So it could be a neighborhood that is predominantly Hispanic and African American, and it has been, uh, so ex the people in that community have been exposed to coal ash because there's a toxic waste dump in their neighborhood. Some people have enough, enough money power, and privilege to not have a toxic waste dump in their neighborhood, and others don't. That's why people of color uh, are disproportionately impacted by exposure to toxic waste in the air and in the water and in the soil. So that's what a frontline community is. A frontline community can also include um, people on Indian reservations who they're, 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 so Indian reservations are often on or near federal lands, and federal lands are the site for uranium mining. So uranium is radioactive, so uranium mining and uranium dump sites are places where Native Americans have been exposed to radioactive waste, and that is another example of a frontline community. So we're talking about a just transition for frontline communities, and let's see what Bernie has to say about a just transition for frontline communities. It says, there is no doubt that the poor and marginalized suffer from the impacts of pollution and climate disruption, particularly communities of color. They are at the front lines of the climate emergency. For example, of the 73 waste-burning incinerators across the United States, an astounding 79% are located within three miles of low-income and minority communities which are exposed to mercury, lead, and soot. Soot is another word for coal ash, 
which is toxic waste. The Green New Deal is not only a serious climate plan, but an opportunity to uproot historical injustices and inequities, to advance social, racial, and economic justice, including redressing the exclusion of black, brown, Native American, and other vulnerable communities from the programs that made up the original New Deal. So let's look at one stat here. It says 73 waste-burning incinerators across the United States. And astound, uh, of the 73, so there are 73 waste-burning incinerators across the United States. And of those, an astounding 79% are located within three miles of low-income and minority neighborhoods. So 80%, four out of every five of all the waste-burning incinerators in the United States are located within three miles of low-income and minority neighborhoods. So if you live within three miles of a waste-burning incinerator, you are going to have undue amounts of exposure to toxic chemicals like mercury, lead, and soot. If you're pregnant, your baby is going to be exposed to mercury, lead, and coal ash. Coal ash, among other things, has arsenic in it. That's why we need a just transition for frontline communities. And a just transition for workers and a just transition for Frontline communities is a big part of what the Green New Deal is about. The Green New Deal is not just about getting, uh, you know, transitioning to renewable energy. The Green New Deal is also about social justice, including environmental justice, including the right to not be exposed to toxic chemicals, the right, especially. If your exposure to toxic chemicals is a function of the color of your skin or your income and wealth, people who are white, people of means, don't have nearly the exposure to toxic chemicals that do people of color and people who are in poverty. That's why it says here that the Green New Deal is not only a serious climate plan, but an opportunity to uproot historical injustices and inequities to advance social, racial, and economic justice, including redressing the exclusion of black, brown, Native American, and other vulnerable communities from the programs that made up the original Green New Deal. So there are people in this country who have, who who are there are people in this country who have been propagandized and have not, who don't understand racism. They don't understand, especially, you know, they don't understand systemic racism. Systemic racism can come in the form of disproportionate amounts of, disproportionate numbers of black and brown people being sent to prison. 
systemic racism also occurs in the form of black and brown people systematically being deprived of the wealth that exists in our society. And systemic racism also includes environmental racism, where the color of your skin correlates to the amount of toxic waste to which you are exposed. So remember at the top of the hour when I said we were going to question everything we've ever been taught about American society, American uh, justice, American economics, American politics. We, the, the media just does not give us what we need in order to make good decisions. So in, the media wants us to think that racism is primarily an interpersonal thing. They want us to think that racism is primarily a matter of, of interpersonal interactions between people of different ethnicities. Because they want us to think that racism is all our fault. The powers that be want to pit people against each other on the basis of the color of their skin because they don't want people to be united along class lines. They don't want poor and middle-class black people to be united with poor and middle-class white people and vice versa. They want uh, poor and middle-class white people to think that poor and middle-class black people are the reason for their problems. The powers that be want uh, poor and middle-class white people to think that people coming across the border from Latin America are the reason for their problems, and so they, they want us to be pitted against each other. They do not want us to be united with one another. That's why they, uh, that's why racism is always thought to be a problem of attitudes, but racism is systemic. Racism is when people of color are unduly impacted by toxic waste and it's also the same toxic waste that you're exposed you can be white and in a neighborhood that is that is uh, poor and middle class and because it's a neighborhood that might be below the income levels you, you can so you can be a white person and unduly impacted because of your class. And the powers that be don't want you to know about that. They don't want you to think about that. If you're a poor white person, they want you to think that black and brown people are the, the problem. If, you're being, uh, if your pocket is being picked, look up, not down. It is not poor people that are picking your pocket. It is rich people that are picking your pocket. If your pocket is being picked or you are being denied your fair share of opportunities within the wealthiest country that has ever existed on the planet, look up, not down. If you're aggravated by people below you on the economic spectrum, you need to, you're probably being manipulated by people above you on the economic spectrum. If you think poor people are the problem, you need to look at the rich people because you are being manipulated. 
And one way that they manipulate you is that they manipulate the news and they do not want you to know how many people are being exposed to toxic waste because of, for whatever reason, because privilege matters. So toxic waste matters. People, uh, people with brown and black skin uh, are going to be disproportionately impacted, but also people, uh, white people are going to be uh, impacted on the basis of their economics, on the basis of whether they're poor or lower middle class. These things, and these things uh, impact your health. They impact your opportunity. And the last thing the privileged elites want is for you to realize how much opportunity could be yours if we could get control of our government and make our government of, by, and for the people. So in that regard, it says here, as president, Bernie will do the following things. As president, Bernie will ensure an inclusive, comprehensive process from start to finish. Workers and communities on the front line of fossil fuel extraction, transportation, and use, and those most vulnerable to climate impacts, must be involved from the creation and implementation of regulations and protocols to the distribution of funds and carrying out the work of the Green New Deal. So, people in frontline communities and people who are vulnerable, who are the most vulnerable to climate impacts, will be a part of the process. Instead of imposing upon people, so here's what we're going to do. You ask them what they need and involve them in a democratic process where they get to determine how money is going to be spent how regulations or or, what regulations we're going to implement, regulations, protocols, standards, all these things should be developed with the collaboration of the people in the communities who are defined as frontline communities. Item B, as President Bernie will follow environmental justice principles. It is unfortunate It is an unfortunate reality that institutional racism also impacts environmental health and thus the public health and safety of millions of low-income families, people of color, and tribal communities. African-American and Latinx communities deal with 56% and 63% more air pollution, respectively, than they create. In other words, African-American communities deal with 56 more, uh, 56% more air pollution than they create, and Latinx communities deal with 63% more air pollution than they create. In other words, all of us create some air pollution, but it should not be that those who create the air pollution uh, sh- should not be exposed to it In other words, it's not right for some people to create the air pollution and then other people to be disproportionately exposed to it. We're almost out of time. Let me read to the end of this paragraph, and then we'll pick it up next time where we left off. It says, Tribal lands are only 4% of the United States land base, yet a quarter of our nation's 1,300 Superfund hazardous waste sites. 
as well as the vast majority of our abandoned uranium mines, are in Indian country. Additionally, federal leasing of public lands for fossil fuels extraction significantly impacts numerous indigenous communities that share more than 3,000 miles of contiguous border with national forest lands. In other words, people of color and indigenous peoples are disproportionately affected by the toxic waste generated by our society. The reason that is, is because the, that we have government of, by, and for the very few. We need to have a government of, by, and for the very many. That's all the time we have. Thank you for joining me. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. Have a great day.